Morning has turned to afternoon. Good afternoon, everyone. But the grind carries on. Not just the grind physically, but the grind mentally. The Midday Grind, featuring a couple of TV jockeys who've also been through the radio wars. <laughs> Serious? Martin Kilcoin. I was a little lit, so I was saying whatever I wanted. And Charlie Marlowe. Our top story tonight, John Jay will be back tomorrow. Here's him getting a hit in 2012. It's the Midday Grind on 590 The Fan and 590TheFan.com. In the beautiful city of St. Louis, welcome into the midday grind, the coveted hour, totally different than the previous two hours because Plowboy has exited. He had great takes, great sports talk, and now in comes Matt Rocchio on the board for the next hour leading up into the hard line. I'm Charlie Marlowe. We got Jim Heuer, Brian Hoffman filling in for Martin and Frank as Frank makes his way back from uh, a vacation or on assignment, if we're supposed to say that. And uh, Martin down there in Milwaukee getting ready for the Cardinals workout. Is before he really? It seems like he's day. just going up to Milwaukee early just to hang out and have a couple beers. I have to say, he is definitely <laughs> he's definitely working today because they're driving up. I know they're leaving early, and this workout, I think it's afternoon. I don't know the exact time, but hopefully get a bunch of Cardinals sound for uh, Fox 2, and then we'll be there tomorrow as well for opening day. But I will say, being that he's a big Wisconsin, Milwaukee, and Marquette guy, and they go up there for vacations and cottages on the lake and all that. If there's ever a Milwaukee story, Martin usually does like making that trip. It's like that's his Jeff Fisher moment where he goes up a couple of days. Yep, we'll go early, get to San Diego a few days early. So that's for Martin, Milwaukee. Good for him. You know what? Also, I feel like Milwaukee isn't mentioned enough. When we talk about drivable spots, everybody always goes up to to Wrigley for Cards Cubs games, but Milwaukee's only about six hours. Milwaukee is a gorgeous a city. Yes, in the summer, gorgeous beautiful. city in the summer, and a lot of really great. If you're into it, great breweries to visit as well throughout the Milwaukee area. One piece of news we did not get to on the uh, previous two hours. I blame myself for that. Is uh, Mike Anderson fired yesterday after eight seasons at Arkansas? This past year, 18 and 16, they got to the NIT in eight years leading the Razorbacks, a record of 169 wins, 102 losses. So we're talking 624 win percentage. In the SEC, he was 78 and 64, so basically a, a 549 win percentage. Came in second one year in the SEC, had a tied for third, three NCAA tournaments overall, uh, won a couple games. Um, so two different tournaments, he won one game to get to the second round of the NCAA tournament. But first of all, it surprised me that he'd been there that long, eight years. And I know that was him going home and he was the assistant under Nolan Richardson with all of the great seasons in the nineties and winning the national championship and getting to the final fours. And, and certainly that move made sense at the time for Mike Anderson, but you do wonder kind of looking back with what happened with Mike Anderson at Arkansas, and then, of course, at Mizzou with Frank Haith, Kim Anderson. And now I think Conzo Martin will have things going well. But if you go back in time eight years, it probably would have been better for all parties 
Mike Anderson and Mizzou if he just stayed there? Because he did have things rolling pretty darn well in Columbia. I don't know how much longer he would have been able to stay. Because I think there are a lot of people around the program that didn't like Mike Anderson's style, the way he played basketball. They, you know, the forty, the full court press, forty minutes yeah, of hell, forty minutes of hell, fun scoring, y- yes. offense. I don't think people just ever bought into that. I mean, that great elite eight run was phenomenal. I mean, it was so fun to watch that team because of the style that Anderson plays. Once they're going, there's not a lot of teams around the country that know how to play to stop that. Once it's going well, and once it's going well, it's fun. The the downside to Mike Anderson's basketball, when it's awful, when it's not, when they're not hitting shots, it's <laughs> god awful because there is no half court offense. It's just somebody go out and try and hit a bucket because our bread and butter is getting points in transition, and their half court game is is brutal. But I never understood, and and I'm in the minority here, and I get this. I never understood the true just dislike for Mike when he left. There was I think there was a lot more behind the scenes that people weren't aware of. A lot of people didn't like him. He didn't like a lot of other people. It it goes both ways. But I just don't think people I mean they were more angry because of what took place afterwards. I mean it it dumped into a, a black hole and it's it's taken forever to get Mizzou basketball out of it. But I never quite got that because we all knew he was going to Arkansas at some point, regardless. Uh, the other side of it, for me watching him, I, I don't know what Arkansas thinks they're going to get to make it that much better. Everybody thinks their next guy is going to make them a perennial powerhouse year after year after year. That's, those days are over. That's not going to happen. One article I read, um, the name that was thrown out is Calvin Sampson. And oh. that would certainly be <laughs> a great get. Yes. If you're Calvin Sampson, you wonder. I mean, you have Houston rolling right now. You're into the Sweet 16. You have a really good program there. You're in a deeply winnable conference. You are. Now, it's it's not technically one of the, the power sixes. Oh, no, it's a bad conference. But it's not horrible. It's not a mid-major. It's a, it's a little bit above that. They have some some name programs that if the Wichitas and the Yukons would get back to how they've been in the past, that would be a strong conference. But also, it's going to be showing me the money. And I, I wonder, too, because Houston's thrown some some money had some big-time coaches in football and in basketball recently. Go back to Tom Herman, now Kelvin Sampson. Right. Kelvin Sampson's going to have a bidding war here. If Arkansas truly wants to write that check, that man's going to get paid even more <laughs> by by either school, whoever whoever keeps him. I get the track record for Sampson, but if I'm Arkansas, I don't know. I mean, what's his, He's pushing late 60s, right? So is that really the guy you want to run your program for the next five years? I think you need to go younger, and you got to find the next. You know, you can come up with any name you want, but I think you got to go younger if you're Arkansas. I don't know who that guy is uh, for them, and the other side of it is who's going to sell tickets for them because they have a big building with a lot of seats to fill. Uh, there's no doubt about that. You talk about that style of basketball, though, with Mike Anderson mm-hmm. and, and 40 minutes of hell, and get the ball out of the bucket and just run, and the, the pressing aspect too. So I was going to compare it to North Carolina. However, the defense is not the same. But when I watch North Carolina play, I love that style of basketball. I love teams that run. Just go and try to create a fast break or a a mismatch in terms of numbers on on every single play. Once you get the ball off an offensive, uh, uh, you get the ball off a rebound, or if you get the ball out of the bucket and you just move it, 
if you can get a shot in the first five, seven seconds, that is the most fun basketball to watch for me. And that's why, look, I know that Duke has the better athletes. They have the better players this year in terms of Zion and, and Barrett and Reddish. But if you watch North Carolina play, in my opinion, they play a more fun style of team basketball, even though those guys might not all be NBA superstars down the road, but it's really fun to watch. And they're always the team that's scoring 88 points per game. That's what I like watching. I hate the Wisconsins of yep. the world and the Northwesterns back in the day. Virginia. Virginia, just grinding out the shot clock. I get it if that's your style, and it probably makes sense if you don't have elite athletes, but it's not fun to watch. How about this? Mike Anderson, one of four current coaches with 15-plus years of experience but never having a losing season. Can you guess the other three? 15 years of experience? 15-plus years of head coaching experience. Zero losing seasons. Wow. He barely did it this year. He was 18 and 16, Mike was, as Chuck, you mentioned earlier. And you said there are three other Three ones. others. Izzo? Izzo is one of them. I know one of them. Okay. Because I believe Mark Few has never had Mark Few is another one a losing season. I don't think he's ever There's not made the left. tournament. Right? I feel like I heard the other day that Few has made the NCAA tournament every year of his that career. That sounds correct. He has. Yeah. Made the Sweet 16. He's made the second weekend, one, two, three, four, five straight years. So he gets the last one. There's Uno Mas. And you said Izzo? Izzo, I said Izzo Mark Few, okay. Mike Anderson. Is it so there's one more. Name? Can you get... It's not obscure. Hold on, hold on. Roy Williams? Roy Williams is the fourth one. Wow. Oh, wow. That's pretty impressive going on, what, 30-plus yeah. years? Yeah, especially when you consider he started at UAB. Mm-hmm. He took over kind of a, something of an iffy Mizzou program when he— First started out, had a 16-16 and 16 year at Mizzou. I didn't realize he had nine tournament appearances. Only twice did he make it past the first weekend. So because we're yeah, talking college basketball now, yeah. as I take a look at the bracket, if you could redo your bracket right now at the Sweet 16, what changes would you make? Or do you like, like going with the teams you originally picked? Oh, that I'll still go alive? with the teams. You know what? Here, Here's the one change I'll make, and I can prove it to you. I scratched it out when I did the bracket. And I wish I hadn't. I originally had Oregon beating Virginia in the Sweet 16. And I thought, you know, maybe not. So I scratched it out and rode Virginia. After watching Oregon this past weekend, I really wish I had stuck with it. Because they look really good. Really they look talented. like a team that Virginia just doesn't fare very well against. Athletic, can shoot from anywhere on the floor. That's just kind of a team that Virginia... Like 16 seats, just struggles with. So I kind of, <laughs> I wish I could take that one back. Other than that, I have all my Final Fours and all that, so I'm I'm good otherwise. You're a conspiracy theorist. Yeah, you I mean, almost, Gonzaga threw the game against right. St. Mary's because he wanted the second team in the tournament. And I am too, and I always want to believe in these things. I say this as a joke, but it's almost like every single year, Oregon, they almost want to get like that 12 seed. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that is true. They're always trending well at the end. They always do really well. Was it two years ago they made the, the final tournament? four and they might have been a – were they a higher seed against Kansas that year or not? It's been a few years ago, but, yeah, they were – I can't remember what their seed was. But years ago with SLU. Yes. They beat SLU oh, where God. that was not that a That was the year. Yeah. Yes. yes. That's going back about five, six years. But and that was the best of those three SLU teams, too. They were underseeded. And Dana Altman can coach. Yeah. They always seem to be – playing their best basketball right around Pac-12 tournament. When you get home late at night, you've had a few beers, you start listening to Bill Walton call the games. And Oregon, and this is without Bull Bull, a future NBA player, they're they're a really strong team. Okay, Oregon so, was a three seed going up against one-seeded Kansas the year they made the Final Four. 
So Sweet 16, Duke, Virginia Tech. Anybody think Duke does not move on? No, Duke moves on. Rocchio is ready to say something. Go ahead. You don't have to raise your hand. I think Duke loses. Okay. I hope not. And it's it's 100% based on essentially what Charlie was saying earlier, which is better athletes, better singular players, but... Time and time again, we just see better teams beat those guys. R.J. Barrett, Zion, and Cam Reddish don't play well together at all. And R.J. Barrett's likely to blow the game at the end with a stupid foul that he obviously should have gotten called in the UCF game that didn't get called and would have blown the game. So, yeah, I think Duke loses. Barrett also, just from watching recently, you can tell that in basketball especially, and I think a good analogy would be the Oklahoma City Thunder. Because you had three guys that wanted to be Batman. When they were all drafted, you had Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, and James Harden on the same team. R.J. Barrett was called the Canadian KD at 14. Right. He's probably got a little bit of a complex. So my point is, and look, those Thunder teams were really good, and they got to a finals and lost to the Heat with LeBron. But imagine drafting three MVPs in the NBA and never winning an NBA title. And... With R.J. Barrett, you just look at that team, and everybody's talking about Zion. Rightfully so. He's so fun to watch. He's jumping through the gym. But I feel like for that team, Zion should be Batman. R.J. Barrett should be Robin. But he wants to be Batman. And you can't really have two Batman. And you're, you're just throwing Cam Reddish just into the, in, down a well. Uh, okay, but do you think that Cam Reddish, don't you think he's able to defer a little better than R.J. Barrett? Only because his shot hasn't fallen all year. But they're not good shooters at all. I think all. he's scared. Cam Reddish was was billed as a guy who was gonna be absolutely just a sharpshooter from deep. Like that was his main thing. And Bar- Barrett and Zion, we knew he wasn't a shooter. But I'm saying is like I, I feel like I think feel like Cam Reddish is gun shy now because he's missing so many shots. What I'm saying though is as but a no, team right, yeah. entering the NCAA no, tournament, right, yeah. I was looking up all these different numbers. Like Hoff said, in terms of Virginia, they play the slowest style of basketball of all the teams Get in the tournament. Them out. And Here's we're talking about possessions. DeAndre North Carolina, North Carolina plays the fastest style in terms of possessions per game. Entering the NCAA tournament, the team that shot the best from three was Wofford. And you saw Fletcher McGee going off in that first game. And then the greatest three-point shooter in the history of the NCAA goes 0 for 11 or 12, whatever it is, in the second round. But they were the best three-point shooting team entering the tournament. Guess who the worst three-point shooting team was? Duke. Duke. I mean, the worst. Also, that's one of percentage the percentage-wise. Re- that's one of the reasons I have them losing this round is because they just shot forty percent from three and almost lost. A that game. is what I'm saying. That's insane, and that shows me that this Duke team again, they're not as good as the sum of their parts. And so, even though they shot the ball well versus UCF, they're going to have a game where they don't do that as they start to play these elite teams. And that's why, even though I picked Duke to beat North Carolina in my bracket, I wish right now, after watching a couple games, that I could switch that. Because North Carolina would now be my favorite to win the NCAA tournament. Now, there's not another taco fall in the tournament, and I wonder how much that... Which, I wonder how much just the guy being seven foot six just in Zion is not being used to being able to jump over everybody, and he just finally couldn't do it. How much that changed their game plan. I also like North Carolina's route, though. You play Auburn. I'm still not sold that Auburn is this fantastic team. I think North Carolina beats Auburn. Houston-Kentucky is another good matchup. That'll be a great game. Yeah, it will be. Kentucky offensively, they have athletes. They play defense, but they're not this great offensive team either. Here's the thing. That uh, Auburn-North Carolina game is – the overrunner on that game is like 162. By the way, the the Virginia game's overrunner is 119. 
Because Auburn, like you said, North Carolina likes to play out in front. And Auburn's like the seven second or less Suns. If you have a three-point shot and you're within two feet of the three-point line, essentially if you're in t- within 22 feet of the of the rim, they're jacking threes all day long. And so I like Auburn as, a, as kind of an upset potential on North Carolina because they all they do is mm. jack threes. So the Friday games, Duke and Virginia Tech, you have LSU and Michigan State in the East bracket. Uh, tomorrow... You have Gonzaga and Florida State. Would not surprise me if Florida State beat Gonzaga. Florida, Florida State is really long. They're yes. really athletic, long, and, athletic. and they're just, I think they're undervalued overall. I mean, we saw them last year against Missouri, and you said, wow, this team's a lot better than I had ever thought. And they just continue that moving forward. Isn't Gonzaga the, the worst matchup for them possible? A team that's a, that's team, a, good that, a team that runs, a team that back cuts like crazy. They, you know, they enter, the, you know, they get the ball into the post well. They move. They move without the ball. They're the one team that just they might be able to neutralize some of that just like wild Terrence seven Mann foot six foot really seven good. dudes running around everywhere. Yeah. And they have one of the best defenders in the draft, and Brandon Clark. Also in the West, the other game: Texas Tech and Michigan. I think that'll be a great matchup. It's hard to bet against John Beeline in the NCAA tournament, especially recently here. And then also tomorrow, as Hoff mentioned, it would not surprise me one bit if Oregon takes down Virginia. Yeah. And the other game is Purdue and Tennessee, which could be a, a great matchup. And then Friday, North Carolina, Auburn, and uh, Houston and Kentucky. You just have a ton of blue blood programs. If you're talking about college basketball blue bloods, I guess UCLA, they've been kind of off the map for a couple of years. But besides UCLA, you have the big-time name programs in the Sweet 16. And I think that's fun and will draw some eyeballs uh, even more so. We were talking back in January Kind of our, our guilty pleasure hope was for the Chargers to win the Super Bowl just because it would be the most awkward parade ever <laughs> in a city that doesn't especially care for them after moving. Boy, would I love a Houston-LSU national title game. Kelvin Sampson versus a coachless LSU team. Wouldn't that just be great? That would be awesome. And and speaking of kind of off the court issues, that'd be such an egg in the face for the NCAA. It would. Who was the media member that tweeted out after the Sweet 16 was set, and he was talking about the Midwest bracket, and he said of North Carolina, Auburn, Houston, and Kentucky, he said Roy Williams is the only coach in this bracket that doesn't oh, have a major God, NCAA infraction, that. which is hilarious because obviously you have Calipari in his past. Technically true. Calvin Sampson in his past at Indiana. Uh, Bruce Pearl at every single job he's ever been at. And then Roy Williams, like, that's one of those tweets you probably just don't send out, even if it's technically true by the letter no, of the law. You send it. I like it. Okay. But when your school <laughs> had a fake curriculum for two decades, even if you quote unquote didn't know about it, I just, I don't think that's a, a tweet you press send it's on. It's funny because what Roy Williams <laughs> did not do was worse than anything Bruce Pearl has ever done. At any of yes, his jobs. That is true. He, what, had a barbecue for players or something, and that was an infraction? And that's, look, I understand you're breaking the rules. I also, I don't want to say I don't care, but I really don't care because I don't ever feel bad for the NCAA. Right. And to me, these are always, it's coach versus NCAA. The whole system is corrupt. I just don't ever care because I don't look at an infraction against the NCAA as a real infraction. Like with Bruce mm-hmm. Pearl, if you go back and read about that story, Aaron Kraft, who was the guy that went to Ohio State for 19 years and took charges for 18 years there, he was at that barbecue, and that's why Tennessee lost him as a recruit. Basically, Bruce Pearl had recruits over for a barbecue, and they took a picture, and somebody found it out, 
And that's how that scandal started. Now, I don't know what else happened. Maybe guys were getting paid. I don't know. But to me, a barbecue is not a big deal. It, it's not. It's stupid that it is. I, my, my wife played at Oklahoma State, and they would have a, a get-together at the coach's house. And it was always understood. Nobody talks about this. Because you, you, I mean, it was it, it's stupid how it how it is. The other side of it is you mentioned I don't care. I'm to the point where I don't care anymore either. From no. the standpoint, you know, everybody is doing something to try and get themselves an advantage. Whether there's money under the table, there's a car under the table, everywhere. Don't you can't tell me it's not happening. There's an entire Every- system of classes under the table for right. like yes. 15 years. It's you happening. Know, you know, everywhere. It's all the same level. It's, Let's not it's almost that. like no. we need to compartmentalize. Infractions like how they used to do with face masks. There was real face mask and incidental face mask in the NFL. Like there's, there's, there's infractions. Like hey, we had a barbecue and a recruit was here. Okay, that's a quote unquote infraction. And then there's capital I infractions for things like what Dave Bliss did. Yeah, like like there's 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 real infractions that that do require legit punishment, like covering up murder. And there's other infractions like this guy got an extra plate of pasta. So what are we gonna do? And that's where you bring up a great point. And I understand these things are not apples to apples. No. But when you talk about real <laughs> scandal, you mentioned Dave Bliss. You can go back to Baylor with the Anything sexual in assault. Baylor's in football. Right, yes. yeah. <laughs> Baylor with a huge sexual assault problem that was, it sure looked like institutionally covered up. Okay, Michigan State with the gymna- the gymnastics doctor. Yes. And, and also sexual assault issues with the basketball and football program going back. A decade or so, obviously Jerry Sandusky, and that's where you know at Penn State, and that's where those are scandals. Those are real scandals against that human beings, yeah, people and ruin people's lives. And that's why I don't put those scandals in the same ballpark as you give a kid ten thousand dollars for shoes, or Brian Wardle of Bradley doesn't like a beat writer, or some coach gave a kid's mom fifteen hundred dollars to pay her mortgage. I I just don't care about those <laughs> things. I don't. Ten, ten years from now, would anybody be surprised that they found out, yeah, you know what? You should see what the kids from Alabama were getting while Saban was there. No. Is anybody? But the, the other side of it is, does anybody really care? No, you just want to watch. Either you're a fan of theirs and you want to watch them win, or you're going, man, I really dislike them and I hope they finally lose. You don't care what, what the kids are doing or what where the money's going because it doesn't really affect me. I just want to watch a good product every week. I only care, and I'm biased. But Ohio State's no <laughs> Ohio State's program got totally blown up for three years. Uh, yeah. Now, a big part of it was because Jim Tressel lied. But so, now you're supposed to lie. Okay, that's right. True. We found that out. Yes. <laughs> but my lie. point is, and look, you should never lie, even though now you're supposed to lie. <laughs> but in theory, you should never lie. But Ohio State had three years of their football program blown up. Tressel left. Terrell Pryor never played there again. All kinds of issues there. Urban Meyer comes on. But that was because players were trading some helmets and some pants for some tattoos and maybe a couple polo shirts, whatever it is. Not a big deal, again, compared right. to real crimes against right. humanity. And that's why the whole thing with Alabama, there was a similar scandal about 10 years ago with Julio Jones at a suit store called T-Town Menswear, where clearly the owner of this store was just, by all accounts, given players suits They'd come over and sign a bunch of jerseys and a bunch of helmets, and this dude would flip them. So, again, I don't care about that. I just would like those offenses to be punished the same way. That's all I'm saying. But at this point, I don't think the NCAA cares about any of that. Like, Johnny Manziel was suspended for what, a half? Half. 
Yeah. <laughs> and and didn't somebody say he took like $10,000 and now it's not even a big to deal. To sign autographs. And the reality right. is the NCA doesn't do it. It's the media who do the investigation. Then it comes out and the NCA goes, well, I guess we better get your uh, information so we can uh, punish these guys since you did all the work. They don't go after anybody. Our guy Splashback is uh, prolific on the text line. He says there's cheating and there are crimes. And that's true, but they're judged the same way. And they in, shouldn't in be. In the eyes of the NCAA. Right. And that's why I'm going off on a tangent here, but like when we bring up Pete Rose. Now, Pete Rose had more of a crime that came out later about something he allegedly did with a young girl. Ah, yes. okay? okay. That's a crime. Yeah. What Pete Rose did against baseball, I don't really care about that. Much. There's a lot of baseball players who do some awful things off the field. Those are a lot worse when you look at Aroldis Chapman, right? Recently yeah. here, than Domestic betting on abuse. baseball. Yeah, yeah. In in Absolutely. my opinion, Addison Russell. I mean, the list goes on and on. Yeah. If if you're doing a crime against a human being, doing harm to another human being, boom, I you're done. See you gone, and then let the the process take care of you, and throw you in jail. If you're cheating. I don't care anymore. I really don't because it's happening everywhere. So school X got caught, but everyone, A, B, C, D, and E, and F, are getting are doing the same thing, but they didn't get caught. I, it It's just stupid. A couple of texts here before we take a break and uh, get to Andy Strickland on the other side. Discussing college basketball, Duke can't shoot threes, and Virginia Tech had a crazy smothering defense. It's going to be another one-point game between the Dukies cool. and the Hokies in an all-ACC so. yeah. matchup. The Hills Have Thighs says, Charlie, I couldn't disagree more. This new brand of basketball is trash. It's no longer a team game. Uh, it's gone downhill since the introduction of the three-point line. Didn't Will Chamberlain score 100 before the three-point line was instituted? He did. And okay. if you watch North Carolina, they play team basketball, but I'm saying they run. And if they get a good shot early, they take it. But if not, they reset and play good team basketball. It just doesn't have yeah. to be Wisconsin and Virginia. The game should not be 55-53. Again, there is one good that thing That should about, be the halftime Here's score. the thing. Yes. Watching Virginia can be fun. Boring. Watch DeAndre Hunter. Boring. He's an actual monster. Does he play for Virginia? He's going to go in it's the boring. top five. He's good. All right, we'll watch him in the NBA when he's on a more fun team. It's fair. We'll take a break. Hockey <laughs> talk, blues talk, coming up next with Andy Strickland on the Midday Grind on 590 The Fan and 590TheFan.com. And I say, hey.